Gaming and BS, episode 323, being recorded Monday, December 28th, 2020. Welcome to Gaming and BS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm going solo this week, boys and girls. Thanks for joining me. Hope everybody had a good holiday. Uh, it, obviously recording the 28th. I streamed this past Saturday a little bit, and, and some folks that are joining me this evening joined me then. Just went over some things about Foundry and some other, I don't even know what else I talked about. Just kind of rambled for a couple hours. Thanks, everybody, who joined me then. Um... When you get this, it'll probably be 2021. So let's hear it for the new year. Here's for here's to hoping that it is better, better. Uh, can it be worse? Let's hope not. Let's hope not. I'm optimistic. I was just telling everybody uh, a little sooner was that I think maybe fall. Maybe it might be, maybe game hole. Maybe they finally loosen up restrictions enough to say, hey, you know, game hole con can happen. And if people can make it, great. Still, you know, we'll have to see. Time will tell. Uh, but I hope this uh, finds everybody well. Brett is off. He is closing on his house literally tomorrow, uh, the sale of his current one. So he's in a bit of a... Excuse me, influx. So he has, I'm sure, boxes everywhere still. He's going to be finding his two microphones somewhere, hopefully by our next session, or I'm going to have to send him a new one. Uh, but yeah, he he, I could tell something was on the horizon when he didn't have a topic lined up for the day. And I figured, you know, hey, man, you know, you need the day off? Yeah, yeah it would be nice, you know. I'm like, well, yeah, let's do that. That's fine. No problem. So we were going to have a board meeting, I think, too, I proposed to Brett, talk about what we want to do in 2021. We really didn't do it for 2020 um, and sit down and come up with any ideas or suggestions or changes or continue to see what's working, what's not working. We're going to probably continue to do the same format, but is there anything we want to leverage? Um, I am interested in, in tapping maybe some some members of the community to, to get some feedback on the community side of things. So maybe not so much feedback on the show necessarily but uh like you know the community's doing all right i'd say if uh if i i'd brag i'd say it's thriving and we've got some good folks on our forums and our discord and uh it's good some good chemistry going i think amongst the members and it would be interesting to see if we maybe have you know i don't know promote gaming amongst ourselves in the fact that we maybe want to play with uh, games amongst BSers, that would be great. I think there's even some talk of people running one-shots already and putting them out there. I know um, I've seen that. So we'll see. Uh, that would be cool. Maybe I can get some of the folks we talked to on the show to, to actually run some games, like Kojo, if he wants to run DCC. Let's, you know, have him, have him step up and maybe do that, or we'll see. I don't, I don't mean to put him on the spot, but, you know, something along those lines. But uh, announcements this week. Uh... Screaming Womp Rats. I came up with the campaign name for the Age of Rebellion drop-in, drop-out. Screaming Womp Rats. I don't know. What do you think? Pretty good? 
So thanks to Gabe, uh, Kevin, Adam, Eric for all volunteering to be the initial launch or initial mission of the, the Swamp Rats. I'm going to be running another one this Wednesday or as of this recording, and it'll be the same mission that they went on. So I'll do a couple of those to get people through that. And then I'll uh, run the, I call it the second wave. So it'll be like wave one, wave two, wave three. So wave two will be the second time I've run it. Wave three will be the third, in case you didn't catch on. And then I'm running, uh, let's see, the Hidden Force, which will be the following Wednesday or Thursday. I can't remember when I scheduled it. And that will be wave one of that adventure. So if either of the two groups that completed the first one want to play in the second one, then that's posted on our forums. That's where the details are. So if you're interested, uh, hit us up here and I could point you in the right direction. Otherwise, you can find it on our forums and I'll have a link in the die roll for that. So, yeah, I think it was interesting. We uh, used Zoom and Foundry uh, and I think those guys because it was kind of a little, I wouldn't say completely bumpy. Gabe really helped out during the day. Helped me troubleshoot some of those things that I didn't even anticipate. So hopefully as things progress, games will even go even smoother. So uh, always a bumpy ride for the pilot, but nonetheless. Yeah. Other announcements, none that I can really think of. This uh, week in gaming, I played in Hobbs's low fantasy game. Went well. We almost had one guy die. Uh, we So the group survived, got split up because we had to run away, got, I think, attacked by what I would call Ents, but they went, uh, we didn't lose anybody. So Low Fantasy Gaming by Pickpocket Press is what we're playing on that. We stream that at 8 a.m. Sundays, 8 a.m. Central Time on Hob665 channel on Twitch here. So if you want to check us out there. Uh, early. We don't take ourselves too seriously. We've got an air horn for people who swear, so it's a little bit different than maybe some real serious schemes, you know, and get some costumes out and some maybe acting and things like that. It's not, not, not that kind of game for sure. All right. Lareth is one of the players in that game. But uh, that's what I had for announcements. I think that was it. Let's get into Random Encounter. What do you think, Brett? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Random Encounter. Segment of the show where we field emails, voicemails, comments from social media. We've got one from DM Kojo. So I figured, why not? Let's do some Let's do some of these. Because if not, they might get a little old. I want to be kind of timely, even though we talk about episodes like th- four weeks ago. So, uh, yeah, here's DM Kojo. Hey guys, it's Kojo. Just wanted to call and thank you for answering my survey questions in the email uh, last episode. Also, it was a great episode, as uh, as always. The uh, team, D&D is a team game. Uh, I can't speak to more recent editions. I've never played third. I've never played fourth. I've yet to play fifth, although I have the books and I've, you know, gone looked through them, but I haven't actually played fifth to say. But definitely, I think old school versions of D&D and this old-school inspired games like Dungeon Crawl Classics, old-school essentials that I play, definitely, I think, are team games. Although you can play them solo, um, definitely made it much more difficult, although we did do that as kids 
played, you know, when you couldn't get anybody else together, you play one kid. But um, I think that, uh, you know, the class limitations in the older school versions where different classes did specific things, unless, of course, you allowed multi-classing, which I, I personally never did. But, um, you know, I just feel like every class lent itself to different skills to the party, clerics for healing, thief skills, things like that. Um, everything works best when people work together and the characters work together in the game. Uh, I think most adventure modules that were written back in the day, it was kind of understood that you would have a balanced party and that these different skills would be emphasized. Um, so even though maybe there weren't specific mechanics that encouraged team play per se, I do think that the overall game design was uh, for team play, generally speaking, in you know, the older version. Dungeon Crawl Classics definitely emphasizes this with modern, some modern mechanics like uh, halflings, ability to share their luck points with other characters in the party, um, and some other things in terms of, uh, you know, things that classes can do that might benefit other party members too. So, no, just some thoughts there on games that I play. But again, I can't speak for 5e at this point, but, uh, all right, keep up the great work, and we will talk to you again later. See ya. Yeah, so, hmm, I, I, yeah. Thanks for the voicemail, Kojo. I think I think we kind of tagged around most of what you mentioned, and I was, I'm glad that you mentioned the the rules facilitate, actually mechanics around team play, and the halfling in DCC is probably one of the ones that sticks out in my mind for sure. So is a they're the good luck charm in DCC. If you have a halfling in the, the party, they can spend luck. And in that game, you can spend luck on yourself. That's kind of the, that's it. But a halfling can use their luck and, and provide it to others in the group. And so definitely one of the ones that facilitates team play. But, um, I so I don't think the argument is. I think we agree, and I think it it's not something that a lot of people disagree with. And so I think it's collaborative. You get the people, the player characters, and the characters that are a balanced party, and they bring skills to the to the table. And if that's how you're defining a team game, sure. But I think even with Todd pressing that more with actual mechanics that help with team play some may say well then it really comes up a little short in that space i don't know but i, I think in in general most people say yeah it's a team sport you got to come together to overcome obstacles and the way you do it is you rely on the niche of each class and the particulars that it brings to the table and then that allows you to you know you got a social encounter your group is made up of unsocial characters that don't don't feel that social piece well. Or you same with combat. You don't have a fight tour in the group and you have a lot of fighting encounters. You take a toll, a different type of toll when you're missing out on some of those. So yeah, there's that team component, but that's some of that stuff's voluntary. Voluntary, you know? Nothing saying I have to. I could, you know, yeah. Nothing like having a fighter in the party. Can you imagine playing the fighter in the party who's like conscientious, conscientious objector or something? Just they don't fight. 
I mean, that'd be an interesting story or an interesting game. Probably have a few players at the table that are a little miffed. Especially if you get ones that are that know how to build a, a very good class, dare I say optimized. And you go ahead and counter that because you want to make an interesting character. Why'd you make a fighter then? <laughs> uh, what an asshole. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, you know, it's the cleric that never heals anybody. You know, I got I to gotta say, Alex Cameron uh, won one live stream at Gamehole Con, and he did it for, God, I think the Dungeon Bastard might have been running the game, or or Merle, Perkins or Merle's, or somebody was running. I mean, it was one, one of the premier games and had some celebrities in it, and and he played a bard, and the and the bard, he he mirrored it off of an actual, or he modeled that character after an actual, like, evangelist. Like, that that actually is out there. I won't mention the evangelist's name. And, um, and he played a bard that pretended that he was a cleric. So the whole game, he was like, yep, I'm a cleric. You know, I'm here, you know, praise whatever the cleric, the, the god's name that he worshipped. But he, he didn't have any clerical spells like because he wasn't he's a bard i thought that was genius honestly i thought that was hilarious uh all right thanks uh kojo george sedgwick next one he writes in to us about healing healing sexual healing sexual healing see brett's gone i can sing this i can sing the whole hour gentlemen I hope this email finds you well. In response to your episode about healing, I have added a house rule in my OSE game that has migrated, <laughs> migrated, no, mitigated PC death a little, though I still favor a deadly game. As you probably know, rules are as written in old school essentials, you, you die at zero hit points. On top of that, you probably don't have many hit points to begin with, with wandering monsters, traps, Save or die situations and occasional dental problems. That's a joke. Oh, hey. It's not hard to die. I don't offer lots of healing potions either. Items like that are tough to come by. And our first level cleric has very few healing spells to toss out. So to make things less brutal and to accommodate several of my players who are a little more 5e oriented, I follow, I allow the following. You ready for this? Once and only once in the life of a character, when he or she would typically die, the player may narrate a fan fantastic escape from death. The character survives the experience with one hit point, and this escape from doom is used, gone, finished. You don't get another. I intend this rule to represent the character's drive to survive or maybe the hand of fate. So far, this has worked wonderfully. We've been playing for months, once a week, and in general, everyone has had to use the escape and or is already on a second character. The players know that death is lurking, but if there's a surprise savored eye situation or one bad decision, the player can choose to keep his character alive by a slender thread. Good times. 
I also like to respond with critical eyebrow raise to one of Brett's comments about Call of Cthulhu. He said something like, In Call of Cthulhu, you lose an arm. It's gone. The end. You're not getting that back. To this specious comment, I have a brief retort. Tentacles, Brett. Tentacles. As always, great show. Thank you for your creativity and thoughtfulness. Happy holidays, George. Thanks, George. Good stuff. Ah, it's a good uh, it's a good approach. I like it. Certainly for old school essentials. I was in Hobbs's OSE game. Survivability was uh, <laughs> was was not easy, and I could see how that uh, your house rule would certainly come in handy for sure. A little nugget for everybody to take. Blaine. Blaine comments on healing episode 320 on the forums. Blaine posts this. I introduced some uh, altered rules around hit points, damage, and healing to add a little more tension to combat and address some of the things raised on the podcast. As said on the pod, players approached fights with a certain amount of recklessness, knowing they had a big cushion of XP and also took for granted violence was always the answer. It felt like a video game, so I added a little spice to the normal 5e rules. Health points. While hit points are an abstraction of fatigue, morale, getting battered, endurance, etc., health points are physical health. Characters only get 10 plus con and it never changes. When you run out of hit points, it piles onto health points. Also, critical hits do not do double damage or anything. It simply gets applied directly to health points. That means combat can go south at any time with a good hit, which really added tension to combat. Spycraft, I think, did that method. I thought it was... I don't know if it was tension. No, it wasn't tension. It was something. I can't remember the mechanic. But they had the exact same thing. Uh, yeah, Vitality. Yes, maybe it's Vitality. I'm mistaken. Maybe it's Vitality in Star Wars. He goes on. Healing spells work as normal on hit points, but only heal the spell level in damage to wound points during combat, so they are far less effective. Outside of combat, healing spells do normal healing to wound points, but it takes as long as a ritual. Since these changes rely on the existing 5e rules, it was easy for everyone to adapt, and it really added tension. Players approached fights with a bit more thought, knowing that their huge numbers of HP wouldn't matter against a skilled, uh, i.e. lucky, opponent. However, it only lasted two sessions. The players decided they actually liked the recklessness and video game feel that comes with 5e and preferred it to the more tense approach. Blaine. I have to hit Blaine up and see how how that's going. Like, is that, is he good with that? Because that's another example of, hey, to make it kind of, hey, this is kind of what I'm thinking for my game. And the change in that dynamic where the players like that and then they go, okay. And then they play a couple sessions and then go, yeah, yeah, we don't like, we don't, we don't jam on this new house rule. We want to go back to being reckless and running into combat and doing whatever we want. And as a game master, having run into some of this uh, before, I'd be interested to know, Blaine, if, if you're still enjoying running that type of game. And if you are, that's great. And if you're not, uh, are you kind of just trudging through it? Harrigan comments on healing. This topic was a weird one for me. 
because it seems pretty dialed in on just the D&D experience. I like all sorts of damage slash healing systems, depending on what game I'm playing and what fiction or genre I'm trying to emulate. Magic healing is frankly one of the things that drove me away from D&D decades ago. I'm a low fantasy grunt at heart. Anyway, some of my favorites. Barbarians of Lemuria has an excellent, fairly gritty system that models the hit points abstra- uh, abstraction that D&D goes for in a more sensible way, in my humble opinion. He says characters have a lifeblood score of 10 plus strength, 0 to 3. Weapons deal, on average, 1d6 damage, and armor reduces damage. After a combat, participants can take a knee and recover up to half of the lifeblood that they lost. Each night of good rest gets back one lifeblood. Death is at minus five lifeblood. And if you're below zero, you're losing one per round. You're dying. And this can only be prevented by your friends helping, the gods intervening, or spending a hero point. Into the Odd and its offspring, Electric Bastion Bastion Land, uh, Mouse Ritter, etc., have very cool mechanics where characters have relatively few hit points and where HP actually means hit protection in the latest incarnations of those games. Once those are gone, damage goes straight to your strength attribute and you have to make make a save to avoid a critical injury every time you take a hit. HPs return right after battle, but it takes a long time to heal attribute damage. A week, if memory serves. So you have a buffer, then uh, then is it gets serious fast. In general, I don't think any system can touch fate for realism since consequences can model any kind of injury, mental, physical, social, or spiritual, and it can take a long time to recover from these depending uh, on if they are mild, moderate, or severe. Mild clears after one scene, moderate after one session, severe only after a milestone, which might mean the whole adventure. I also highly recommend the optional extreme consequences, which forever change the character and one of their aspects. Basically, you live, but... If you limit the conversation to D&D style play, I agree with Warden. You have to check it out on the forums. And a few others uh, up thread. Ask how do you want the game to feel? Dangerous but heroic fantasy versus gritty OSR play versus epic heroes bristling with healing magic who never need to worry about injuries. Very different styles, even within the same overall game. Good stuff. Thanks, guys, for commenting on the forums. If you want to partake in that thread, we'll have links in the show notes. You can weigh in. I know there was a lot of other comments that were very good as well. Thanks for everybody's participation. Good stuff. Hit points. Damage. I see RPG as a cool cool rule where you can have your armor take the damage and HPs as a choice. So if you're about to die, you can start damaging your armor, which then requires you to fix it, which then requires you to have mend, probably. Something that I would never take when I was a kid in AD&D, making up a magic user, and I'd read that spell and go, bah, that's dumb. All right. That's it for Random Encounter. Let's get into the main topic, huh? All right. All right. <laughs> 
Main topic. So perception, spot, search to some degree. Notice, spot hidden. Perception. Your wisdom perception check, at least this is 5e, lets you spot here or otherwise detect the presence of something. It measures your general awareness of your surroundings and the keenness of your senses. For example, you might try to hear a conversation through a closed door, eavesdrop under an open window, or hear monsters moving stealthily in the forest. Or you might try to spot things that are obscured or easy to miss, whether they are orcs, lying in ambush on a road, thugs hiding in the shadows of an alley, or candlelight under a closed secret door. Clever name Wayne helped with the topic this week. Thanks, W. Peacock. And uh, it seemed to get quite a few people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spot in, man. Spot, search, check. What? Perception? Can we just nuke that from above? Yeah, there is. So, so Sean, <clears throat> you know, I was thinking about perception and what W. Peacock, Wayne, clever name Wayne, had to say about it on the Discord. And uh, so I was thinking... What are your thoughts? And to that I say, eh, when do you use it? Let's you spot here. Other, so we're just using this 5e example that I found out on the interwebs. Measures your general awareness. General awareness. Of your surroundings and the keenness of your senses, for example. Uh, you might try to hear a conversation through a closed door, eavesdrop, under an open window. Here's here's what here's how it spurred it, right? So the perception thing that I found on the interwebs, and I'll I read it, but I'll, I'll let's dissect this and dive into it just just a bit. You, it says perception checks. Check lets you spot, hear, or otherwise detect the presence of something. It measures your general awareness of your surroundings and the keenness of your senses. For example, you might try to hear a conversation through a closed door, eavesdrop under an open window, or hear monsters moving stealthily in the forest. Or you might try to spot things that are obscured or easy to miss. Whether they are orcs lying in ambush on a road, thugs hiding in the shadows of an alley, or candlelight under a closed secret door. That's, uh, that's something I found out there. So let's tear this up a little bit. General awareness of your surroundings and the keenness of your senses. Many, many people want to nuke this, the perception thing, right? In, in the, some of the comments and responses that to clever name Wayne, like, yes, can we just get rid of it? You know, nobody needs a red herring was mentioned. It, it, it creates a different dynamic at the table sometimes. One thing I have with this statement measures your general awareness of your surroundings and the keenness of your senses. Uh, for example, you might try to hear a conversation through a closed door. Yeah, okay. Eavesdrop under an open window or hear monsters moving stealthily in the forest. 
So I don't know if it would be, is it your general awareness or your, or your heightened, aware, like your heightened awareness? Am I, am I reading this incorrectly? Like my general awareness to me would be if I'm sitting on my couch, do I just happen to notice my dog walk in the room? Yeah, I think I would. Do I have to roll for it? Of course. Now, hold up. Before everybody goes, hey, I only have them roll if there's going to be something that interesting that comes from it. Of course. How do you determine what that might be? Um, maybe they're in a hurry, right? If it's a thief and they're unlocking a door and there isn't any pressure to unlock the door, do you, do you futz with the, have a cranked up difficulty number, target number? Oh, you know, if they're rushed, the monster's coming down the hall, yeah, have them roll. Otherwise, maybe you don't. Same with perception. Clever Wayne, clever name Wayne. Here's my point. They slow down the game a lot. But most importantly, they often become stumbling blocks for the story and the plot of the game. Clues about what is happening engage the players, immerse them in your world. Why would you not want them to know that, quote, fine droplets of blood lead down the Western Passage, end quote? That shit's gold. How often do you read in the fiction that birthed the hobby that Conan did not see something? Conan, I said Conan. <laughs> Conan did not see something, failed to smell something. How often in a movie do you see a scene without any interesting details, especially in a mystery? Show them the shit you've worked out. Players do not need red herrings. They make them up themselves. Give them the story. Why, when do, so my question, when do you have the players roll, if ever? When is it relative? And is there a purpose behind it? And yes, 5e, in defense of 5e, it does have the passive and proactive perception. Two different things. So if I, and everybody's going to have like a different interpretation. I've seen people chime in on this before where, you know, Brett and I have maybe tackled this tangentially um, episodes ago where people would go into a room and search. And if they said what they were searching, people would give them bonuses. If they said, hey, I'm going to search under the bed, blah. Some game masters will just say, yep, they, you said you searched under the bed, you find it. You don't have to roll. You said that you were going to look under the bed. Now, if the player says, I search, and they don't say, like, and you, the game master's next question is, great, where do you search? Help me out. And they say, well, uh, I look under the bed. Okay, yep, you uh, give me a roll. Eh, maybe you say, oh, they got a 10, they got a 5. Yeah, you don't find anything. Oh, 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 got a five. Next player's like, oh, I'm going to search under the bed because they rolled shitty. 25. Yep. Don't happen to find anything under the bed. Or is it in the mattress? And they have to say it's in the mattress. Or is that what the 25 result provides them? Yep, you look under the bed. There's nothing under the bed. But because you're so attentive and you rolled a 25... You look, and along the mattress, there's a stitch that seems to be 
cut into the mattress. Ooh, I throw my hand in there and grab what's ever in there. Maybe. I would say that if it's anything that you want, like Wayne, Wayne, clever Wayne, clever name Wayne, you got me all tongue twisted, WP Cock. If you have something in the room that it's important for the players to find somehow, as long as they don't walk in the room and say, well, they look in the room, the room description's given to the players, and they say, you know what? All right, let's go on to the next thing. Most gamers are like, huh? The GM will be, huh? Not going to search the room? <gasps> well, I suppose we could, right? Or the game master says, okay, what do you guys do? And they walk down the hall. So even subtle nuances that the game master kind of pokes and says, hey, not going to not gonna search? Huh? That'll be enough for them to probably backtrack and actually do something. Unless they're being pursued or, or something, uh, maybe they're under a timeline that they need to get somewhere and they don't have time to do it. And they can make that judgment in that, in that case not to search the room. But if they say search the room, then it's, because we're getting into search. Perception, search a little bit, same thing. But if you want, if you have the clue, that's the one thing, right? Call Cthulhu, trail Cthulhu. If they don't roll the magic number, they don't get the little, the hint to get to the next scene or the, the driver or the motivation to go to the, the next thing that you have planned for them. So if you want to do that, you got to give it to them. So this, I wouldn't say this is just for, for, folks that have rolled like game mastered for some time um newer game masters again may not the tenure of your game master ship may not come into play but i think sometimes if you aren't you learn your lesson through not giving and throwing your characters a bone when you have the the clue but they can only find it if they make a check Maybe it's a pre-published module and you're like, oh, okay. If the characters roll a DC 15 search check, they will find the thing. Uh, you, first of all, I think that if you're writing adventures, you got to take that out of there if it's really important. So while we might say, as a game master, we should probably know that we should just give the players that that bone, right? Here you go. Here's the clue. Just run with it. So if we, especially people that write games and write modules and adventures, they have probably game mastered quite a bit, actually. And if they're putting that in there, in their, in their module, they, they shouldn't at all anyway. They should just say, as long as the players say they're going to search the room, they come across this, Period. End of discussion, no check. You know, if there's a check that they want to put in the pre-published module because it's going to give them a little, little, you know, extra gold or something, sure, then maybe, I don't know. And if they fail the check, then what happens, right? That's what WP Cox mentioned it too. Like, what happens then? What's the consequences of not making the check? Well, they don't find what, they're looking for or what you have planned for them planted maybe that's the better word they don't have what's planted for them so if they don't get what's planted for them then what 
What are the repercussions? Are there repercussions? Does it matter? Is it going to make their life harder? Because that could lead to a better story. And that might be, excuse me, that may be okay. Or is it going to come to a screeching halt, a huge dead end? The one MacGuffin is not, what are you going to do now? And you have all the players at the table like, I don't know what we should do. I don't know what we should do. And as a game master, we want them to find, come to the conclusion on their own, right? Kind of to some degree. But we just need to give them more, I think. Sometimes we get caught up with the checks. And sometimes, I mean, it's kind of a weird dynamic because role-playing gamers love rolling dice. They love having skills. They, they, they like the chance and the opportunity to apply their bonuses and come up with the great success. And that success carries them forward. It kills the, the baddie. Um, they, they detect the deceit, the deceitful lie from the non-player character. Because they do that through their you know sheer will of, of die rolling and applying their skill modifiers. Once you take that away, it's like let the air out of their tires a little bit. Eh, you give them too much, maybe. Like everything's going and going, and there isn't any rolls, and it just kind of goes and goes. But I don't, I don't know. Sometimes do we weigh too heavily on the die rolls in general? I mean, perception aside. But with the the perception piece itself, there's circumstances that come into play. So let's go up to that definition definition again, right? You might try to hear a conversation through a closed door. Door is closed. Great. Who is trying to listen? Is it the thief? Rogue? The fighter? Who are they standing next to? Where are they listening to a closed door? Are they in an N? Are they upstairs from an N? Are they in the N and there's a closed door? Maybe they're waiting to go into the bathroom and the music is like right there. You crank up the DC. You make it harder for them to, to hear or listen because of the noise or whatever. You know, in Star Wars, maybe it's it's cranking up the, the difficulty, putting setback dice, um, making it more difficult to do what you're trying to do. Same with stealth, trying to walk down a, a hallway. So with perception, are we taking into those, you know, those considerations? I perceive. Eavesdrop under an open window. Or hear monsters moving stealthily in the forest. So if you're eavesdropping under an open window, so this is where it gets a little murky because you're like, okay, I'm going to walk up to the house. And I'm, is there a window? Yes. Is it open? It happens to be open. And you hear people talking. Because you are in a part of the town that it's not filled with passing cars and ambulances going by or there's not... You know, 50 passers-by, passer-by, passers-by. You know, it's maybe a rural farmhouse. You're snooping around. You come out of the cornfield. It's called Cthulhu game. You're going up to the farmhouse. Mosey up to the window, and it's open. 
Maybe there's wind. Do you need a perception check? I mean, just some of this definition's like, ah, really? Um, or hear monsters moving stealthily in the forest. Okay, forest has got some ambiance, probably some breezy wind, leaves make noise. I mean, outside can be loud. You get some wind going for sure. Monsters, you know, they that's part of their natural defense is being quiet. And you sneak up and you step on the snake and you didn't even know they were there. Or you get that more obvious, like where it says, whether they are orcs lying in ambush on a ambush on a road, thugs hiding in shadows of an alley. So some of these things aren't they're not in the same definition of what might be we might be looking for as it relates to like finding it, like searching, right? Because we're conf I'm confusing searching and perception. But you're right. Uh, say I'm the ranger. Here's what here's what makes me mad about some of these games. Ready? Okay, I'm not going to go on a crazy rant, but some of the things that kind of irk me about some of these games is say, right now, I'm playing a ranger in Hobbs' low fantasy game. I'm a ranger. And the way that the character generation works in this particular instance of this game that Hobbs is running is you would roll up your stats down the line and you can inject a 15, okay? If you inject a 15 into an array, you bump everything down after that 15. Does that make sense? So if it's strength, intelligence, wisdom, dexterity, constitution, charisma, right? Standard, old school D&D, AD&D array. And say I have a an eight strength. And I want to be ranger. And so as a ranger, I decide that I want to bump up my decks. If I bump up my decks, then it bumps every other score down. And, and I think the last one drops off. My point of what I'm getting to is I did that and I have an eight intelligence as a ranger. Okay. Eh, you know, no big deal. Now, wilderness lore, animal lore are based on intelligence. So I actually have a negative one modifier and I'm a ranger. So when we're rousing about all the forest and everything, we come across the beastie or something peculiar that has to do with an animal or wilderness and I try to make a check, I'm already at a negative one penalty, and I'm a ranger. So I guess I'm a shitty ranger, right? So people go, well, Sean, you're just a shitty ranger. Because I didn't put my, my, my stats, didn't work out where I could make intelligence a good skill unless I put the 15 in intelligence, because everything got moved down. So some of the, what I'm getting at is sometimes one thing I can't stand is we we have to make a roll. So going into like going out into the wilderness and spotting thugs hiding in the shadows of an alley or, or orcs lying in ambush. And I say, Hey, I'm the ranger. I'm going to go out and scout. And why? Or the rogue for that matter. And why? Well, because they could be sneaky and they can hide. And then you go, okay, well, show me how you could hide or you can see, you could perceive. Give me your perception. I'm like looking across the horizon to make sure nobody's going to set an ambush up for us. Great. I roll a die. 
tank it. Roll a die, tank it. And it's part of kind of, you know, and the thing that bothers me the most about it is kind of like, hey, isn't that my thing? Like, isn't that my shtick? You know, I'm not trying to cast a spell here. I'm not trying to unlock a door, pick a pocket. I'm out in the wilderness, probably hunting stuff that I could never see half the time anyways, and yet I can't spot an orc ambush. Now, one could argue, well, Sean, the orcs, they they covered themselves really well. They they are just as much at an advantage of concealing themselves as you are recognizing them. And that's the important thing I think some of us have to keep in mind when it when it relates to perception in that particular instance. So it's all situational, I think to some degree for sure. It's all case by case. Am I making a good case here otherwise? Am I am I playing both sides of the fence well enough here? Is there a point where you say, hey, the, I mean, okay, I'm the game master. I got orcs. They're the ambush. I'm a fan of the players. Don't get me wrong. But hey, you know, the orcs have been out there. They know they're hunt. They're tracking down the player characters. They decide uh, this isn't, they're not foreign to this land. They set up an ambush. Every time they set up an ambush, the ranger... The rogue, the scout, whoever it is, always notices them. So in those instances, I think you got to kind of have that role. I think that that's not a bad situation, right? Give me a role, passive perception, active perception, whatever, notice, whatever it is. For whatever reason, you're not, you're looking in one direction. That's kind of the deal, right? Even as you're like, hey, I'm looking across the horizon. I'm looking over in the east. For whatever reason, the orcs are coming from the south. Didn't notice them posted up over there. Or maybe they got a decoy. Oh, I see the ambush. It's right over there, but it's not really the ambush. But they they roll their notice. Yes, you notice that. But the orcs have a higher ability to be concealing or better strategy, whatever it is. It's a, it's a balancing act in that particular case, I think. Uh, no wrong, there's no right or wrong answer in this, but sure. Um, and you do what you want as far as the, as the, as the system goes. And some systems might handle it a little bit differently than others. But I think it is, it's going to be situational. Keep in mind though, I think the key is Think of it. See, I'm I'm doing more. Like I'm more, watching more movies. I'm not watching more movies. When I watch movies that is of an adventuring kind that could, I could relate to an RPG, I look at it and say, "Was that a notice check? And was somebody hiding? Would I've required that?" I've brought this up on some of the streams that I do on Saturday mornings, like Star Wars. There's a shit ton of stuff that happens in Star Wars where there's not really a check. How many times have people landed on planets? They don't get like, I mean, yeah, they get the one, you know, hey, check the code. Yeah, it's fine. You know, when they're going into the shield on Rogue One, sure. They're trying to get on the moon of Endor. Okay. 
But a lot of times they're just like flying into a planet and landing wherever the hell they want. And if for whatever reason, maybe they're 100 miles away or they're right there. Does it require a check? Do I need somebody to roll a pilot check? I'm reading an adventure now where it's like, hey, roll a pilot check. I'm like, why is this adventure asking for a pilot check? Uh, well, in Star Wars, it could be, okay, you roll, you land the thing, but there's a, a setback or, you know, a disadvantage. And so your ship is leaking coolant. And if you don't get it fixed or it costs money, eh, is it good for the story? Eh, can it drain some of the credits from the player characters economy-wise? Sure. And they could throw a bone and say, okay, it's going to take 250 credits to get a mechanic to fix it. I know we're getting on checks now, but what I'm getting at is when is it interesting to make a notice check or perception? And if by failing it's going to suck, win, don't have them do it. Just give them whatever they're looking at. Let them notice. Um, corner of your eye, like call it Cthulhu. Spot hidden. Going through a house, the lighting isn't that great. The last thing you want to not have them do is they go in the house and they don't notice anything, including the shadow that keeps moving in the background of every horror movie we've ever seen. That shadow. Gotta in in the game, you gotta have them notice it. Like out of the corner of your eye, you see something like flash behind you, darkness coldness comes upon you something got to set the mood you can't just hey i'm spotting i'm looking uh, you feel you don't see anything no skills at all ivorit gabe favorite mode is old school no skills at all but i also like crunchier games sometimes the numbers define many aspects of the character you definitely need more balance with the latter so how often in these stories, W. P. Cock, A.K.A. Clever, clever name Wayne. So how often in these stories do the protagonists not hear the conversation or see the trail of blood? And he mentioned the trail of blood. You know, yeah, you're at a murder scene. No clues. Or, or what are you going to grasp? So you got to give the players everything. That's why trail is the way it is. You spend the points. You automatically get the clues. You spend points, you get more. You get the basics. There's blood there. It's splattered on the floor. You could see it, a trail. Very obvious. Oh, they must got dragged that way. I'm going to spend a couple points. All right? You notice that it's not the blood of the victim. Oh. 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 Hmm. Different. Different dynamic. Can rangers just find the hidden thing in the woods? You'd think so. Not if you're not if you're Sean Kelly's ranger. If you're <laughs> shooting my bow. I think there's gotta be I think we gotta sit back as game masters. Whenever a check is made. So take perception and throw it out the window. Say you got you play. So some people are like, oh, that's why I don't play games with skills, Sean. I totally get it. 
And do you make them roll ability checks when there's not a skill list? Maybe not. Maybe it's not as prevalent with a game that doesn't have any skills. That's why on Twitter I said, you know what I want to do? Let's take 5e and play 5e no skills. No skill list. Here's your here's your 5e character. And somebody would say, well, then why are you going to play 5e? Because they can make it in D&D Beyond and they know the rules and they don't, you know, I don't have to explain and make up house rules and home rules and they all have to buy a new book or any of that crap. They just remove the skill list. And now what do you want to do? You tell me and then I tell you. And whether there's a role or not, maybe there's an ability check. But when there's a skill, are we having gamers roll too much? Give me a die roll. Give me a die roll. Give me a die roll. No, you just do it. Give me a die roll. Nothing happens. You're walking along the street and you notice as you're going that on the opposite side, there's a there's a person that you've spotted the same distance behind you on the other side of the street for the last three blocks. Did I have to have the player character say, hey, as I walk down the street, I want to make sure I don't have a tail. So every once in a while, I stop at a window and I look in the, 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 the window to see the reflection and see if I am, I'm seeing anybody that's maybe across the street. And then I look over my shoulder slyly to see if anybody's tailing me. Because sometimes players don't think of that stuff. Like I can, I'm listening to a Delta Green podcast right now. It's fantastic. I'll put it in the die roll um, if I remember, because I don't think I have it written down. It's fantastic. It is. It is just man. It's like not a radio drama, but they put a sound effects. There's like six players. It's great. Like I am thoroughly impressed. And AP's. I'm, I'm not a big AP guy, but this one I was like, Phew. it's really awesome. And yeah, there's checks. But, you know, if you go out to the farmhouse and you hear something in the ground that's coming from a well and you're in a Delta Green or Call of Cthulhu game, you want the players to hear it. Short of a tornado, I want them to hear it because... It's going to get them to go over there and check it out. And that's where the fun's going to begin. Do I want them to roll? Now, the people outside, you hear something. I go over to the well. Oh, I want to do that. You're in the house. Can I make a roll to he see if I hear it from the house? Sure, maybe. You could be, you could be the person that allows the role to make up your mind as a game master because you could say no nope you don't you're in the house <laughs> or you could say well maybe give me a die roll and if you roll well enough then sure I'll allow, I'll allow you to hear it I think that's when it comes into place I would let them know there's a noise then let them roll, roll to determine whether they can make out what it is or describe it more thoroughly. Sure. But what are they hearing then? So think about this, TJ Sharp. They hear a noise. What's the noise? I mean, what is, what is the noise? Is it uh, an aluminum bat hitting the floor? Is it a creaking of a door? Like, what is the noise? So you kind of have to 
throw him a bone. Maybe it's a voice, a, a, a moaning. And then if you have them roll, maybe. Low hum, high pitch, metallic. Ah, okay. Okay, so you describe the characteristics of the noise. That and, and met, metastico. So similar to gumshoe and spending a point to get more info. And that's that's an economy piece of gumshoe. Yeah. Hear an echo of a of a moan of a of something. It's indecipherable. Spend a point. I spend a point. You, it's it's female. It's male. Uh, maybe maybe it's indeterminate, but you can hear the word blah, whatever. Or it's coming specifically from th this distance away. I could see that. So how is that different from rolling a perception check to get more info? Well, I think that's the trick. I mean, you could still use perception to get more info. That's a, There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. But I think it I think it also has to be used sparingly. I really do. Perception, notice. Let them notice. Let them see that stuff. Divulge it. Who cares? What's the point in keeping it to yourself? Unless it's some weird kind of conditional thing. Maybe that's the that's the that's the way it is. I don't Sometimes I wonder what it would be like to just like not use skills. Just when if they say the right thing, they get it. The problem is sometimes players don't. So then you're having to spoon feed them a lot. And you could do that. Um, I don't. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. If they can't figure it out, well, go down there and find out. My question is this. States Eric Frankhaus presents, why do you have a problem with a skill check? Because it sounds like the way you are using it. Because if they, what if they fail? Or there's skill piling, throw on skill piling. Oh, you couldn't hear it? Let me see if I can hear it or notice. Let me see if I can notice. Do I notice? Roll. Oh, you failed too? What'd you roll? 15. Huh. Wow, it seems pretty high. I th I sometimes wonder, just let them, like, I think, I think we sometimes, <laughs> I think sometimes we give players too much credit. I think they, I think they need more. Give them, give them everything. Give them everything they need. Everything they want. Here's a mission brief. Blah, 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 blah. And then of course at the end it's like, if the players have any more questions, just give them all that crap. Have them roll, you know. No, just, hey, do you have any questions? Just give them all that stuff. Give them everything that you could think is possible. And then if they want to come up with other ones that may or may not matter, then they do. That's okay. Give them the role play opportunity. Sometimes I don't know why we have checks for crap anyway sometimes, right? Like, the door is locked. I'm going to open it. See if you can open it. Are you the thief? That's when it gets into those those systems where it's like, hey, you're the thief? Yes, you can open it. It's going to take you a couple minutes, a few seconds. Your fighter, you can open it. Not going to be with thieves tools. It's going to be the boot. Now, with that, the boot's going to cause some noise. So that plays a plays a, a 
but they still get in there. Well, I have to boot it. Okay, give me a ch- you know, give me a check. Oh, you're gonna how are you gonna knock it down? Oh, I'm gonna shoulder it in, or I'm gonna kick it in. All right, give me a strength check. He's a fighter. She's the fighter. Okay, boom! Crack open the door. It smashes, splinters. The door jam's gone. Yeah, congratulations, you got it open. They made the noise, but it wasn't like make the check. Nope, you can't do it. Sorry. I think that's some of the the beef we have, right? So I don't think it's just notice and spot and you know search and all this other stuff. I think it's just in general. What you know, but at the same time, somebody at the table is going to go. I put in five ranks. You know, I'm playing Pathfinder, and I put ten ranks in perception. Like I walk, and I'm just like a booming radar. I got radar, lidar. I've got eyes in the back of my head. I can see everything. Yeah, you do it. There's a tension. Sure, sure. If there's like a yep. Got to pick that lock. Coming down the hallway. They're coming real fast. Give me that roll and see if you can do it. But see, is it is the tension piece okay? Going on the tension piece. Where is it? Where, where, where is the retention? Where is the tension piece, Wayne? Most of the time, more info equals more tension. Um, I gotcha. I'm I'm thinking of something else. But say somebody would say, but Sean. If they're, say, the thief's at the door and they're picking the lock and you don't make them roll, but what if you do, you know, I would make them roll if they were under a sense of urgency. The the bad creature's coming down the hallway. It's not just an easy pick locks thing. You, you're under pressure. You're being distracted. The party's yelling at you to hurry up, whatever that is. And so there's a sense of, you could fail, but I don't think it's a fail. I think it's timing. Do you get it picked quick enough? So it's not like if you pick the lock, it's when you pick the lock. And that would be where I would come as a game master and say, give me a roll. You failed. You've, you, you've un- you will unlock this door, thiefy person, but... You're not going to do it in time before the monster gets to to the party. Huh? Huh? Taking 10 and taking 20. Yeah? Is that in 5e? Anybody know? I don't think so. But you can't take 10 or take 20 if you're under under pressure. There's I know that for sure. You can't take take you definitely can't take 20. And I don't even know if you can take 10 if you're under pressure. Correct me if I'm wrong, Iron GM. Yeah, there's no there's no take 10 or 20 in 5e. Yeah, if you have 3-5, sure. And this is the thing, man. We could we can we could dice this up all kinds of ways uh till Tuesday if we throw out every game out there. Oh, not in this game. And this, that's why this game does it this way. Sure, of course. Of course. Of course. Yes. Roll the bones. Can you imagine rolling for everything? Not like routine stuff like walking down the street, but like for every single thing. I climb. Huh? It's climb skill. You got to give me a climb skill check. Can you imagine some of the games that some of the folks play that's like, hey, it's got skills for a reason. So anytime something falls under a skill, I have them roll. The thing would be, is it going to add to the story? 
right? That's the that's what some of the folks are falling back on. Will it increase the tension, make an interesting story? Will the failure present something else that wasn't seen um, that they have to deal with now? Because there is something to be said about that too, right? Stranded somewhere. Got to make a diplomacy check or persuasion check to, to have somebody give you a lift somewhere. You keep failing all the time. That sucks. <laughs> all right. Gone down this rabbit hole for a little while. Hopefully you get the wheels turning. I'm interested to spur some conversation around this that hasn't already been said in our Discord. Maybe on our forums as under our episode when we post this. Have, have you weigh in yeah there's a system that does it really well this is what it does I love how it does it it's very elegant great want to hear about it let us know um, hey I treat it this way great super awesome I see RPGs getting some love from murder hobo super simple it's like a hack let's get into die roll should we die roll I don't want to go longer than when it was when it's Brett and I. I already have a <laughs> die roll. Two to four miscellaneous points game and geekery we want to share with you, our listeners. Uh, first one, GBS pullover hoodie. Just put that up in the merch store. We'll have a link in the show notes if you're interested in getting a hoodie. It's a little cold to be wearing t-shirts everywhere in the world. Um, so check that out. I bought one. They, they they look pretty good. I think the biggest size they come in is XL. I like, I'm probably on the verge of trying to get that double XL just because I like them baggy. You know, I don't have the physique to wear them skin tight clothes, you know, like some of you. Uh, review, Encounters with the Dark Powers by Jared Rasher. Jared, he does a lot of good blogging and Definitely fills our die roll area of our forums. I want to give him some love. He's a little disappointed that I'm not running Curse of Strahd because apparently dark this uh, encounters with the dark powers could probably help with a little bit of, of the Curse of Strahd game. But check that out. It's a uh, DMs Guild type product, but it's a short review. It's not... Uh, it's not five pages worth of text. It's good, succinct. He goes over it and certain points about that. Check it out if you so desire. Next one, vote for most anticipated RPG for 2020. EN World is putting out another poll. Most anticipated RPG for 2020. So what I would probably ask, uh, Hijack, EN World, and Morris is Thunder over there. But if you, it's a, so I, the reason I like it is because a long list of stuff that's coming out in 2021 yeah, it should be most anticipated RPG for 2021. God, I hope I have the right link. Um, I'd be interested to know, because I think somebody posed the question, and last week Brett and I didn't have an answer because I didn't know what was coming out in 2021 other than Twilight 2000. But there's a few others. Dune, I think some people have mentioned. Um, but it, the list is there. And so I'd be interested to know more about those because I don't know a lot of them. 
And if you do and you've got some that, that are on your hit list to buy for 2021, we'd be interested in uh, knowing more about it. So let us know. Far West, plug for Far West. All right. Sounds good. And oh, I got to pull up my phone. I'll put a link in the show notes for this one. Mayday role play. Mayday role play. Mayday plays is the name of it. Tabletop role-playing game podcast focused on deep character development and dramatic, thrilling storytelling. Join us for our first ARC Mayday Plays Doomed to Repeat based on the Delta Green system. Doomed to Repeat follows a team of six covert agents who uncover the truth behind a century-old government conspiracy. It started out in October. It's really, I'm very, very impressed with these guys. They got sound effects in there. They don't, they still include die rolls. He's the Game master or the handler still asks for checks, so it's not complete radio drama. Um, role playing, if you like role play, it, they're they're awesome. The dynamics and Delta Green, they're hamming up the uh, tension and drama. It is. I'm like episode two or three, and I'm like, holy shit, shit has already hit the fan. Uh, it's really good. I'll put a link in the show notes before, uh, as this comes out. So that's it for this episode of gaming and BS. Uh, next week, I don't know what we're going to talk about. Brett, Brett's kind of hip on the opt in. So I wouldn't be surprised if we talk about opting into a game, like you present and pitch it and then you get people to opt in to play it, uh, versus trying to sell it. I don't know. There's talks of it doing Cyberpunk. He wants to read Cyberpunk Red before we do that. So we got that up on the burner. Um, there is some other suggestions that I do not want to fall through the cracks on our Discord when I solicited some for this evening's podcast. So I'll start looking at those, maybe put them on the docket. One one person mentioned kind of organizing things, mustering and stuff, which this Age of Rebellion game is no joke. Like, I was like, I know there's going to be some work in making this all move. So how am I doing it? And when how does it drop and drop out? Got to get characters in the foundry. Do the players do that? You know, Eric at Frankhouse and I have been talking a little bit about that because he wants to help in running some games. So how do we transfer characters from there to there? It's I think it's easier than we may think. But what do we want to put that on the players? You know, how do you guys level up? But just messaging people where are we going to message how is that going to go links to dropboxes pregens you know when right now i have to like cut off topics as a matter of fact i think i have to shut down one to prevent 20 people from you know once we get the certain amount interested so some of those nuances that i think we have in our brain when we oh this will be easy you know i'll get it all together and it'll be fine i think for a fit group or a fixed group size it's relatively easy but when you're starting to do drop in drop out west marches type games how do you logistically put that all together so that you can run it consistently hobbs has been successful in doing that in his calmada calmada game so yeah might be something that we look at next week i'm not quite sure stay tuned other than that Thanks, everybody, that happened to join me live. I really appreciate it. If uh, you hear this and you're interested in this, this episode was recorded in front of a live non-studio audience on our Twitch channel. It's twitch.tv forward slash gaming underscore and underscore BS. 
Monday nights at 8 p.m. Central Time. I also stream here Saturday mornings, so if you're really bored and you want to just kind of hang out, you hang out and just chatting on this channel as well. And usually get that under probably right before 9 p.m. Central Time. Uh, otherwise, you could see this on YouTube. If you do, give us a like, subscribe. And of course, the fundamental way is grabbing us in your podcatcher of choice. Really appreciate it. So for Gaming NBS, I'm Sean. We'll catch you next time. This episode of Gaming and BS produced with help from the following BSers. Jared Rasher, Ray Otis, Old School DM, Jason Hobbs, Andy Hall, Roger Braslett, Brett Pazinski, Chris Steele, Larry Hout, Eric Frankhouse, Tony Shuloaf-Baker, Stefan Dragonspawn, Mark Tasaka, Pure Mongrel, C.W. Mellencamp, Dan LaValle, Craig Huber, Ron Bishop, Old Scoozer Roleplaying, Jim Fitzpatrick, Mark Richmond, Thomas Hook, Sky, Craig, Howard Bishop, Jeff Seifert, Angus, Eric Salzweedle, George Sedgwick, Robert Nemeth, Brian Kurtz, Laramie Wall, Perry Besor, Eric Avia, Andy Olson, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Niall Diamond, Jeff Goad, Brian Rumble, David F. Blaylog, Harrigan, Melissa Bashinsky, Henry Newcomb, Eric Tavola, Hoos Carl, Mark Sohm, Ghost GM, Mike Hess Jr., Rory Weston, Jim Ingram, Daniel Garrett, Jason Weeb, $1 Adventure Frameworks, Phil McClory, Jay Plata, The Duke in Purple, Isaiah Aries Christian, Vanta Blacklord, Larry Hollis, Quigley Malcolm, Awal Trooper, Craig Shipman, Todd Sharp, Orcus Dorcus, Michael O'Holland, Christopher Lang, Chad Glayman, Josh Wallace, Adam Grotejohn, Ed Nyes, Corey Welch, Mirko Froilich, Rich Wishan, Joe Swick, Curtis Takahashi, and Aaron Raylia. Hey everybody, Happy New Year. Hope 2021 treats you well. If you're interested in joining the community, head over to our Discord or forums. You can do that by just heading to gamingnbs.com forward slash Discord or forward slash forums. We'd love to see you. Join the community. There's great conversation. Thanks, BSers. This, this has, has been a Litterbox, Litterbox Studio production. production.